Welcome to the Locked On Islanders Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian, and I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. Alright, welcome to the Thursday edition of the Locked On Islanders podcast. Happiness in Islanders country as the Islanders score a come-from-behind 4-2 victory in Game 1 of their series against the Washington Capitals. We will break it all down for you. The ugly start, the late comeback, and the victory that really puts the Islanders in the position they want to be in. And we talked about the importance of a fast start. Well, the Islanders got it. We'll talk about all the contributions of various players. Uh, Jordan Eberle, Josh Bailey, uh, so many players contributing. Anders Lee, all of them helping the Islanders to get the job done after an awful, awful first period. And now the Islanders have a one to nothing lead in this series. We'll analyze game one, break down what to expect in game two, plus uh, sort of how what happened in game one will affect the rest of the series going forward. We also have our Islanders birthday of the day and a whole lot more to come on today's show. If there's something that's on your mind, Islanders related, a comment, a question, a topic that you'd like us to discuss, please feel free to send us an email. The email address LockedOnIslanders at gmail.com. And if you leave your name and where you're from, we're happy to mention you on the air when we discuss whatever it is that's on your mind. You could follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnIsles. And you could follow me, Gil Martin, on Twitter at IceWars, NYRVSNYI. We'll keep you up to date on all the latest Islanders news and happenings. All right. Well, boy. A tale of two hockey games. And the first period especially was one ugly period of hockey. The Islanders outshot 7-2. to two. You're not winning too many games when you take two shots on goal over 20 minutes. That is just not going to get the job done. In addition, lots of penalties in that first period, and most of them were not smart penalties. Uh, Lars Eller, as we mentioned, was not in this game for the Washington Capitals. John Carlson did end up playing. He was originally going to be a game-time decision. He played, and uh, the results were obviously mixed if you were a Washington Capitals fan. And Johnny Boychuk, you know, they said he would probably be available for game one. 
but because Andy Green had played so well in games two, three, and four against the Florida Panthers, uh, Barry Trotz opting to keep the veteran defenseman Green in the lineup, and again, a healthy scratch, or at least a scratch, uh, for Johnny Boychuk, and whether that was because he wasn't quite ready to go, or whether Green just earned the ice time. Uh, either way, that's what you've got. Now, early on, some uh, tough goings-on between uh, Anders Lee and Nicholas Backstrom. Lee ends up with four minutes of penalties, interference, and roughing. John Carlson, who came in and responded to the Lee hit on Backstrom, uh, got two minutes. So Lee ends up giving up uh, a power play for the Islanders. Backstrom did not return to the hockey game, and that is a huge loss for the Washington Capitals. Capitals saying that the hit by Lee was a dirty play, but the Islanders obviously feel otherwise. I watched the replay. It was, you know, it was a hockey hit. It wasn't exactly uh, clean. I think he deserved the two-minute penalty. Uh, do I think that it was intentionally a dirty shot or a head shot? No, not necessarily. But again, definitely deserved the two-minute interference penalty that he got. But Backstrom's loss over the course of this series, if he is going to miss time, and we'll wait for some updates on Nicholas Backstrom, but that really could hurt the uh, Washington Capitals. Then the Islanders had what essentially amounted to a parade to the penalty box in those in that first 20 minutes. And, you know, Casey Sezekis goes off, Matt Martin goes off. You had, uh, you know, Tom Wilson and Anders Lee dropping the gloves late in that period. And, you know, it, I, I guess the Capitals were very angry at Lee, trying to get back at him for the hit on Backstrom. Then, of course, the Islanders getting a little, you know, disturbed by Wilson, who, if you go back even to the last time these two teams met in the playoffs five years ago, Tom Wilson became public enemy number one for Islander players and more so for Islander fans. You, you saw penalties being taken in the offensive zone uh, by the Islanders. You saw uh, penalties for too many men on the ice in the second period. It was just the first, let's say, 35, 36 minutes or so were not good hockey by the New York Islanders. And they kept taking silly penalties, and it ended up costing them a couple of power play goals in the second period by T.J. Oshie. He had one at 527 one at 11-18, and, you know, John Carlson, who we said, you know, was the game-time decision, ended up assisting on both of them, but at the end of the day, the Islanders not only took too many penalties, they took silly penalties, careless penalties, uh, couldn't get into a rhythm, couldn't get their top-line players on the ice regularly because of the penalty box parade and just looked like they were not lethargic, but they weren't in sync, and they weren't sharp, 
and it, it almost seemed like the Islanders were the team that hadn't played a meaningful game in a long time, and the Capitals had gone through uh, a first-round series that mattered, rather than the other way around, which is how it was. And yet, the beautiful thing about the New York Islanders and the way they play, even playing sloppy, careless, uh, kind of lethargic almost at times hockey over the first 35, 36 minutes, they were only down two to nothing. And that made a big difference. They were still in the hockey game and they had every opportunity to get back in it. And they did. We'll talk about the comeback and the eventual victory, plus our Islanders' birthday of the day, and a look at what this game means for the series going forward. Lots more to talk about here on the Locked On Islanders podcast. So, through the first 35, 36 minutes of this game, the Islanders looked absolutely sloppy and out of sync and just weren't playing a smart Barry Trotz-style hockey game, but the fact that they played their style meant that it was still a close enough game, and Varlamov had a few good saves to keep them in it, and then, finally, with a minute three left in the second period, Matthew Barzal used his speed, set up a really good play, Jordan Eberle cashes it in, And we have talked on this show, if you've been a regular listener, how important goals are at the end of a period to create momentum heading into the locker room. The Islanders were down two to nothing. They get this goal with a little over a minute left in the second period. And it does exactly that. It changes the momentum. It changes the emotion of the game. And the Islanders suddenly come to life. They come out in the third period, and again, only 51 seconds into that third period, Anders Lee comes through with the big goal, the rebound, Pulak and Nelson with the assist, and in just, you know, less than two minutes of hockey time, the last minute three of the second period, and then the first 51 seconds of the third period, so in 54 Uh, excuse me, 64 seconds of ice time, the Islanders suddenly went from being down 2-0 to playing in a tie hockey game. And the league goal was huge, and here's what Barry Trotz had to say. Uh, Playoff hockey should be right up Anders' wheelhouse. He's big. He's strong. He scored an important goal. He had a hit. He responded to Wilson's challenge. We talked about the fight. What else? Can you ask from a leader? So Barry Trotz praising Anders Lee, and and, and rightfully so, and the Islanders just kept on coming, and eventually uh, they get the game winner uh, at 6.52 of the third period, a shorthanded goal by Josh Bailey, set up by Brock Nelson. That puts the Islanders ahead. Then Anthony Bavillier gets one from Bailey and Barzal at 11.55 to put the icing on the cake, and the Islanders skate away with the 4-2 victory, and that, folks, is all she wrote. Good third period overall by the Islanders, and especially, you know, Simeon Varlamov 
didn't have to make a lot of saves in this game, but certainly made them when they mattered. And again, Josh Bailey comes up big, gets it done in the clutch. And here's what Bailey had to say after the game. We wanted to keep working. I think that's playoff hockey. You can't get down in those moments. You've got to keep pressing. And tonight, we found a way. And yes, they did. And all throughout the season, we talked about the Islanders' resiliency. This is a team that sticks to its game plan, even when they fall behind. And we saw that today, or, or yesterday now, uh, where even down 2 to nothing, they didn't open things up. They didn't change their style. And as a result... They come through and get the job done. Outshoot, they outshoot the Capitals 27-26, but 25-19 in those last two periods. The problem, again, for the Islanders, the power play. They gave up seven power play chances and two power play goals, while the Islanders themselves were 0-4 on the power play. They have to stay out of the box. You play with fire with a team with Alex Ovechkin and if he's healthy, Nicholas Backstrom and TJ Oshie and John Carlson and all of the talent that the Capitals have, the Islanders have to stay out of the box. One area that the Islanders did excel at, and I think it was huge and kind of overlooked, the face-off circle. Islanders winning 64 a little more than 64% of the draws compared to a little less than 36% for the Washington Capitals. And that, over the course of a game, does matter. Who gets possession of the puck matters. Brock Nelson winning 14 out of 20 faceoffs. Matthew Barzal, who is not always the greatest guy in the faceoff circle, winning 8 out of 11. Jean-Gabriel Pajot, 7 out of 12. The Islanders get the job done in the face-off circle, and that makes a big difference. And then another guy who does not show up in the box score, but did make a contribution. Uncle Leo, Leo Komarov, 7 hits to pace the Islanders in this game. And that certainly helped, and you consider he was only on the ice for 12 minutes and 55 seconds. Kamarov making his ice time count. As far as blocked shots, Scotty Mayfield, five hits, three blocked shots. That was a good day at the office for Mayfield. Josh Bailey, a forward, also blocking three shots in this game. That definitely helps the Islanders' cause. And then the other thing, you know, we talked about the shots on goal. The Islanders had a, a total of 27 in this game, but amazingly balanced. Uh, only four players on the ice did not register a shot on goal. Devon Tays, Jean-Gabriel Pajot, Cal Clutterbuck, and Leo Kamarov. Every other Islander on the ice had at least one shot. So again, you have a situation where there was balanced uh, shooting and balanced opportunities. And the other thing is, when you look at the chart of where shots were taken, 
it speaks volumes about why the New York Islanders were able to win this hockey game. The Islanders had more shots from the face-off circle dot and closer than the Capitals did. And the Capitals, you know, they got their goals from down low and in close, but again, the quality of opportunities that the Capitals had was not quite as high as the quality of opportunities that the Islanders had. And that is, in the playoffs especially, that is how you win hockey games. Doing those little things, paying the price, taking a hit to make a play, battling for rebounds and deflections, those are the things that make a difference. And the Islanders winning faceoffs, the Islanders did all of that and more. Uh... Look, Alex Ovechkin did manage six shots on goal. He had six hits, two block shots, but kept completely off the scoreboard. No goals, no assists, and a minus one for Ovechkin. Backstrom limited to only seven minutes and 21 seconds of ice time in this game after, you know, he came out after the hit by Anders Lee. We talked about John Carlson and his two assists, but he was also a minus three in this game, along with uh, Kempney. Uh, They were on the ice for the most Islanders' goals, so uh, sort of a, a mixed bag of a game for him. But again, the Islanders show grit, determination, uh, never quitting, and really overcoming a lethargic, first 35, 36 minutes of this hockey game to end up winning 4-2. They are up one game to nothing. We talked in our preview shows about how important it was for the Islanders to take one of these first two games. Folks, mission accomplished, and that is a great sign for the Islanders. Plus, they won a game when they certainly did not play their best hockey for the majority of the game, and that is a good sign. Braden Holtby gave up one questionable goal and will be interesting to see how it affects his confidence level going forward. We have got a lot more to talk about on today's Locked On Islanders podcast. We've got our birthday of the day and we'll talk a little bit about how this game, what it's going to mean going forward for the Islanders and the Capitals as we continue our look at this playoff series. All right, time for our Islanders' birthday of the day. Happy 53rd birthday, uh, a couple of days late, but happy 53rd birthday to former Islanders winger Brad Dalgarno, originally drafted sixth overall, first-round pick of the Isles back in 1985. Dalgarno made his debut with the Islanders in 85-86, and spent his entire NHL career on the island, was with the team through 1995-96, played in 321 career games with the Isles, 49 goals and 120 assists, along with 332 penalty minutes. He was a part of the Islanders' successful playoff run in 1993, where they went all the way to the conference finals. We're going to look back at one of Dalgarno's better games with the Islanders, March the 23rd, 1993, 
Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum, Isles and Sharks, as we look back at that magical 92-93 season. Islanders getting on the board first with Arters Urbe, the Sharks goalie, called for delay of game. Islanders go on the power play. Glenn Healy, by the way, the Islanders goalie in this game, and Pierre Turgeon got his 47th of the year. Steve Thomas and Derek King with the assist. That's a power play goal of 350. Then, three minutes, eight seconds later, Marty McGinnis, his 10th from Brad Dalgarno and Scott Lachance. So, Dalgarno on the board with an assist. Steve Thomas made it 3-0 Islanders early in the second period. His 32nd from Turgeon and McGinnis. And then Pat Flatley, his 12th from Darius Kasparitis and Tom Fitzgerald at 634. Islanders up 4-0, but they weren't done yet. Pierre Turgeon, his 48th from Thomas and Vladimir Malakov at 825. 5-0 Islanders. Sharks. Got back into the game. Now, remember, this was very early in the Sharks' existence. Kelly Kissio, their captain, his 21st from Doug Zmolik and Peter Ahola at 10.43. That one coming with Travis Green in the box for the Islanders. Then Rob Goudreau, his 22nd from Johan Garpenlov and Kelly Kissio at 12.09. And the Sharks were at least within shouting distance at 5-2. But Brad Delgarno, his 13th of the year from Marty McGinnis and Dennis Vasky, and the Islanders extend their lead to 6-2. Jeff Odgers scored early in the third period to make it 6-3. David Williams and Mark Peterson on the assists. But Delgarno scores again late in the third to clinch the win for the Islanders. His 14th from Brian Mullen and Travis Green. Islanders unbelievable offensive machine. They got 48 shots on goal in this one, and Arthur Zerbe made 41 saves in a losing cause. Glenn Healy of the Islanders, 18 saves to earn the win. Islanders, 7, and the Sharks, 3. For Brad Dalgarno, our uh, Islanders' birthday of the day, two goals, one assist, a plus-3 rating, and the two goals came on his only two shots. Other multiple-point games in this one, Marty McGinnis, a goal and two assists. Steve Thomas, the same. And two goals and an assist for the great Pierre Turgeon. Turgeon leading all Islanders players with eight shots on goal. So happy, slightly belated birthday to former Islander Brad Delgarno, 53 years old, a couple of days ago. And he is our Islanders' birthday of the day. All right, so looking at this game, a couple of things stand out. Number one, the jolt in the arm that the Islanders had to get from the way they performed in this one. It has to be uh, refreshing and helpful to the Islanders that they find themselves in this situation. Uh, big question now about Braden Holtby. He had been inconsistent all season long for the Capitals. He gave up that soft goal uh, in the third period, and that one really, uh, you know, seemed to take a lot of air out of the Capitals' tires. They don't have an experienced backup in this series. Samsonov, who really took over as their starter out for the entire playoffs, so they're going to sink or swim with Braden Holtby, and it'll be interesting to see what he looks like uh, in game two on Friday. Meanwhile, uh, 
the other question of obviously Nicholas Backstrom and whether or not he is able to uh, come back and play, his loss would be substantial for the Capitals. And then, of course, will they get Lars Eller back? That also remains a question. Another thing I'd like to put out there, uh, can the Islanders not let Tom Wilson get under their skin? He did it in that last playoff series between these two teams a few years back. He seemed to be doing it again, 11 penalty minutes for Tom Wilson, uh, officially two hits in this game for him. Uh, but you saw at times the Islanders seem distracted by Tom Wilson. That is not going to benefit them over the long run. So they've got to take care of that, not let him be a super pest and a distraction. The other thing you got to watch for, the Islanders cannot keep taking penalties. That is definitely uh, something that they cannot allow to have happen. Special teams are vital, and the Islanders can't give six opportunities, seven opportunities a game to a team with talented players like Ovechkin and Oshie and Backstrom and Verana and Kovalchuk and Kuznetsov. These are guys that are dangerous with the puck. And they, the Islanders cannot afford to allow themselves to give up that many power play opportunities. They also cannot afford to get a slow start like they had in this game. They got away with it now. Maybe you get away with it once in a series like this. But now the Capitals have their backs against the wall. The question is, Again, Reardon, their coach, who used to be an assistant under Barry Trotz, his job may be in danger if they perform poorly in this series. And the master, or the teacher, seems to be out coaching his pupil early on in this series. So, Islanders up one game to nothing. They head into game two, scheduled for Friday afternoon. Should be a big game, and if the Islanders can somehow get up in this series two to nothing, that would put them in the driver's seat. So, uh, we'll see the next game scheduled for Friday at 8 p.m., and the Islanders' rare primetime appearance hoping to take that two to nothing lead. We will have a further preview of that game tomorrow and a whole lot more, so make sure you stay with us right here every day for the best Islanders coverage on the Locked On Islanders podcast. That's going to do it for this edition of Locked On Islanders. Now tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked On NHL for a league-wide perspective on the Stanley Cup playoffs. Have a great day, everybody. Stay safe. Enjoy the Stanley Cup playoffs, and of course, let's go Islanders.